Okay, the, the New Testament raises some issues for us when we talk about healing, so we wanted to really bring them up in the introductory seminar here this weekend. So first of all, does everyone become healed? This is one of the questions that is raised here in the New Testament. The scripture states that all came to him for healing. So all people did come to Jesus for healing. Um, and we'll see that, number two, there were special times of anointing in Jesus' ministry. There was, there's times in which it seemed like everyone who came got healed completely. The scripture actually says that. There were other times when that wasn't the case. Number three, at the pool of Bethsaida, Jesus healed only one person. Yet there were many sick people there. He explained that he only did what he saw the Father, uh, what the Father did. So here is, think of this for a moment. Here is this guy in this makeshift hospital, and everybody else is there too. And he says, I can't, I can't get down into the water um, before what they believe the angel, an angel will come and trouble the water. Whoever got down there first would get healed. Well, he couldn't get down there. So when Jesus came to him and said, do you want to be healed? He said, well, I can't get down into the water. And he says, rise up and walk. And then Jesus turns and walks out of the hospital. Like, and all these other people are sick. What's up? You know, he healed one guy, and that was it. So Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only speak what I see the Father speak. That was his explanation for that. Number four, when the crowds came to Jesus, he would often withdraw privately to pray. Why did he do this? So, in other words, there are people who actually came to him in crowds, obviously for healing. He didn't heal them. He's just like, I'm going out of here. I'm out of here. I'm going to get to the hills and pray. So there were times when Jesus healed, times when he knew it wasn't the right time for healing. There were people that he healed, seemed like in volumes. And then there was this one guy in the midst of so many sick people, he only healed. So what's the summary? All are not healed, even though all want to be healed. Why is that? really don't know. It's kind of a mystery in many ways. really don't know. Um, oftentimes people will say, when I get to heaven, it's going to be one of the first questions I ask God. You know, I used to say that too. I realized probably when I get to heaven and see the Lord, it probably won't even be on my mind. <laughs> you know, uh, so because, but it's, it is a mystery. Um, Cardinal Francis Schaeffer, Stafford, uh, in a healing symposium that Rome actually, the Vatican actually hosted in 2001. Um, they brought together people in the Catholic Church that are involved in healing ministry throughout the world, had a symposium. He said that, he said, healing is like a fog, he says. It's like a fog. We, don't, we know some things, but we don't know everything, he said. And I think that's true. It's a, there's a, a dimension of the mystery. I think it's, um, to when we say the mystery, I think it's in a couple ways. It's obviously we're dealing with the Lord who is, who can, you know, he's, who can compare with him in terms of a counselor? Or he's so beyond anything of us. But secondly, we're a mystery, too. We have many different levels of us interacting, you know. And I think, like, um, you know, it, you know it, we are so complex and so wonderfully made, as Psalm 139 says. But we are definitely complex. And so uh, it's... Just like it's not easy to figure out the Lord sometimes, it's not easy to figure out us either. And I think another thing is, too, um, is that what Jesus tried to do with his disciples is what we're talking about here is to create a culture of healing um, where m many people are praying with the sick. Um, uh, 
American pastor named John Wimber, who was uh, really kind of Lord used him throughout the 70s and 80s to establish the vineyard movement, big into the area of healing. He used to say that when we didn't pray for anybody, nobody got healed. He said, now we pray for as many as we can, and some are getting healed. So when we don't pray with the sick and pray for them and do the things that we've been doing here these two days, then probably no one's really going to get healed. Uh, But when we step out and make train more people, equip more people to pray for the sick, we'll probably see more people healed than what we used to. We still won't see everybody healed. Let's look at letter B. Does healing happen immediately? In the New Testament, most healings occur immediately. A lot of times Jesus' healings were just like the snap of the finger. They'd be considered in the, in the element of miracles. You know? However, Jesus did pray for a blind man twice. He prayed for the guy. He, he had some sight, but he saw things upside down. So Jesus had to go back and pray for him again, you know. So, and we don't know how long he was praying for them. We know with the demoniac who was out in the desert, is Jesus, the scripture in Mark's gospel says that Jesus kept on saying. So we don't know how long that took. We just know that it was a process, a period of time. Summary, so the summary then is physical healings at times can be progressive. Our experience has been that most physical healing is progressive. It takes, it's over a period of time. We're going to introduce you to, at the end of the day, to top, uh, a way of praying called soaking prayer, which is where we find that most healing takes place progressively over a period of time. Okay, letter C. What about the use of medicine? Well, the book of Sirach says that when you're sick, you're just go seek out a doctor in medicine and sickness. In fact, they go say, go find a good doctor, you know, when, when you're sick. So um, Timothy was encouraged by St. Paul to take a little wine for his stomach ailment. All right. Okay, the summary is that it's not wrong but wise to make use of doctors in medicine when you're sick. I like to, you've heard me use this analogy in homilies before, but the Lord stretched out two hands to us. One is the natural hand of medicine and all the people that dedicate themselves for the service to, to humanity of making them well. He also stretches out the other hand of supernatural prayer. So why not reach out and grab both? Why are we only just grabbing one? So uh, in our culture, the challenge has always been, um, you know, with the, we have excellent uh, medicine and health and all that. Uh, so it's easy for us to become dependent on that. And sometimes prayer becomes a last resort. Like when nothing else seems to work, we go to prayer. Um, nothing wrong with that, except that I think uh, just as we would go to uh, get chemotherapy treatments rather intensively over a period of several weeks, several hours a day, why not go seek that kind of prayer as well? So if you're going to get chemotherapy treatment that way, which is great, we want, you know, then why not go and find people who can pray with you with the same level of consistency and intensity as you're getting the treatment? So just think of it as two kinds of treatments, one spiritual, supernatural, and one physical in a sense of chemotherapy, but bring them both together in that sense. So our child, a child of yours is sick, and you want to give them antibiotic, which is great. Why not bless the antibiotic, give it to them, and lay hands on them and pray for them to get well? Why not? Okay. So um, doctors and medicine are aligned with the Lord 
or we could say in the Western culture, the Lord is aligned with them <laughs> to make to make people well, physically, psychologically, spiritually, and so on. Okay, letter D. What about dying? Okay, well, the scripture says that we have uh, an appointed time. You know, uh, Ecclesiastes talks about time under heaven for everything. So there is an appointed time for our passing, our death. We can't control that time when God calls us home. So we need to become aware that when sickness is unto death and minister comfort and courage to the dying. Sometimes when you're praying for a person to get well through a process of, uh, it takes a process, and they really aren't showing well, but they're keep declining, keep declining, keep declining, then the question does need to be asked, is this the Lord's appointed time for this person? You know, And we need to ask that question. And um, again, remembering that the greatest healing that will take place in that person's life is to go home and be with the Lord. You know, That's the greatest healing that will take place. However, at the same time, for us to not even ask the question about praying for their recovery and healing and just assuming that they have to struggle through and hope they get through or they may just die is also cutting the Lord out of the picture in terms of what he might want to do in that person's life in that given situation. So the way I approach it is um, I approach it with the idea that the Lord does want to heal the person, and I pray with that kind of intensity with them and also commitment to them and try to draw them into processes where other people can minister to them as well. And then we go at it until we find out differently. And why is that? Because usually that person is committing themselves as fully as possible through the help of doctors and medicines and so on to get better. So um, it would be kind of contradictory for me to come in and say, well, I know you're trying the best with your doctors to get well. I'm going to pray for a happy death with you. <laughs> you know? That doesn't really, that wouldn't go well with what their, their goal is at that point. So I'm kind of exaggerating, but my point, you get my point, is this, that we don't need to move too quickly into that area. Let's go with the assumption that they're trying to get better. The doctors are trying to make them better. <laughs> So why not, continue, why not pray with them through that process? Okay. And as you can see, we talk a lot about process, and so we're talking here about a community of faith, um, parish that is willing to walk with a person through their illnesses and challenges and pray with them through that process, bring the gift that we can bring as a parish community, which is prayer, and support their uh, medical uh, treatments and the work of doctors for them on their behalf. Okay, uh, let's take a look at letter E on page 14. What about Christians who don't get well? In other words, they're not going to die, but they just don't seem to really get well, you know. Um, And uh, Paul had an eye affliction. He never seemed to get over the eye affliction, you know. Um, Trophimus was left sick and molentous with no real understanding as to why. And there's no indication he got better. Ephroditus was ill, almost died, but God had mercy. It's found in Philippians chapter 2. In fact, Paul was thanking the Lord, saying, Thank you, Lord, you spared Ephroditus so he could continue to serve us. Timothy had a persistent stomach issues. The, um, the thing, the rap on Timothy is that he was kind of a really high-strung, nervous guy, and he was prone to stomach issues, and yet he was responsible for leading a whole church in Ephesus. He was bishop of that church. Paul kept on saying to him, Get 
take some wine to help your stomach. That was probably the best they understood with medicine in that regard. So, but he didn't seem to get over that. He seems to struggle with his stomach issues. Um, a, a Pentecostal uh, man named Smith Wigglesworth who lived in the first part of the 20th century, um, he was an Anglican actually and became went into the Pentecostal church after that. But as he got awakened in his faith, the Lord used him in a tremendous worldwide healing ministries back in the first part of the 20th century. Uh, he, it was reported, documented, he raised 21 people from the dead. It was documented. Um, but he suffered from gallstones all his life. He never got over that. His daughter was stone death, and he never, she was never able to get healed. You know, obviously, he loved his daughter went to pray for her to get well, but she never got well. Here's this guy raising 21 people from the dead, having a worldwide healing ministry, seeing people miraculously healed. And he suffers from gallstones and his daughter's stone death. What were you to make of that? Well, some have said that he, perhaps he was a sign of the suffering church then. You know. um, again, there's an element of mystery to all that that we don't know, this side of heaven. So in summary then is in some situations, Christians live with their illness. And this type of suffering can be used to help them become more dependent on the Lord and the Lord may also have other purposes in mind for their suffering, how it can be used. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. Let's turn over to page 15. You can, the other notes are from the Catechism. We can read that some other time. Page 15, again, take a few minutes now, letter A and B again. Summarize briefly the content of the section. Again, this is just for you. Letter B, what questions arise for you? Take about five minutes to do that, then I'll, we'll break into the small groups that we have, and we'll talk about some of those small group discussions.